Welcome to another episode here on the podcast. Over the course of the last week, uh, we have unveiled, actually a week ago, was the announcement of the Baseball Podcast Network, which will be coming on January 1st. And over the course of the past couple, uh, over the past week, we've uh, unveiled our podcast to you. Uh, Tuesdays will be FanCast with the Phillies. Wednesdays will be Pinstripe Talk with the Yankees. As you, if you listen to the podcast, uh, rattle up. That will be on Thursday with the Diamondbacks. Friday will be Amazing Mets with the uh, Mets. Uh, Saturday will be the usually scheduled Bucko Booth. Sunday will be the Ivy with the Cubs, and uh, on Mondays will be uh, the Marlins Catch. Uh, with the Marlins. We actually have the guys from the Marlins catch. Uh, if you listen to the official launch announcement, uh, you know them from there. But they're going to come on, talk a little bit about what they have planned for the podcast come January the 7th, uh, and just give a little bit of a state of Miami baseball as a whole uh, and getting you ready for their podcast, which will debut in just over two months. So we're going to bring the guys on and see how they are doing tonight. How you doing, guys? It's good, man. Uh, good. I'm Nick Allison, yeah, so also you... aka Mullins underscore News from the Instagram platform, and I'm joined here by Mitch Brandwan, who is also the host. You can follow us on Twitter at the Marlins Catch on Instagram at the Marlins Catch. Also, make sure to follow the ba- the baseball podcast network on Twitter, YouTube, and IG. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So come uh, January 7th, I know we talked about this a little bit during the launch announcement, but like, what specific things do you guys have planned for the podcast? Well, Nick, you want to go uh, first? what we have planned is, yeah, I'll go. Uh, we, we're basically just going to cover Marlins baseball. You know, we're going to be in January where the winter meetings will be done. Free agency is going to be, you know, half, we're going to be halfway through it. You know, every, a lot of things are going to be happening, you know, stuff with the stadium, you know, coach, coaching staff moves, front office moves, everything, the whole nine yards. We're going to have a lot of stuff going on, definitely a lot of stuff to cover, how the prospects have been uh, progressing over the uh, long off season, and getting into spring training as well. We're just going to be covering everything that's going on with Mullins baseball and what's happening down here in Miami. Yeah, the Arizona Fall League's going on right now. There's been a lot of Marlins news uh, in that, specifically with, Jordan Yamamoto and Monty Harrison. Those are two of the prospects we got in or the moms got in the Brewers trade. There's there's gonna be a lot of news come January seventh, man. Like the new logo, hopefully it it was rumored to be on November first. Hopefully that'll come out sometime this month. So that'll be talked about. Uh JT Romuto, that was huge news this past week, so who knows if he'll be traded by then? I, that's a that's a pretty good question. I I think he will, considering his agent said he wants to be out by spring training. But yeah, the the goal is to we want to do a Marlins podcast, and we also want to look at things from unique angles and perspectives that you know most fans may not necessarily think of, and we also want to show why Miami is not only a a great baseball market, but why it's a unique baseball market as well. Yeah, so exciting stuff. Um, The Baseball Podcast Network, what we're trying to do is build a community of podcasts. You know, this is for fans and by fans. And really the listener experience is very important to us 
Do you guys have anything special to engage your audience uh, come January when you debut? Well, when we yeah, we're definitely engage our things too. Go ahead, when, we, when, we, <laughs> when we engage with our audience, we want to make sure that we're engaging with them uh, through every platform. So obviously Twitter, Instagram. There's also this Marlins website called MarlinsBaseball.com. Not a lot of people know about it, but we want to engage uh, with passionate fans on there as well. Just we really want to um, uh, just reach out to as many Marlins fans as possible and uh, cater to the unique fans that are Miami and cater to that demographic. I'm looking forward to definitely, you know, uh, reaching out to all these great fans in Miami. You know, I feel like it's great that we're having a podcast out there to just get back to the, the community out there and just to, you know, if we have people listening and, you know, just keeping up with the fish on a daily, on a daily, on Mondays. And, you know, we're going to be, a lot of callers are going to be calling in, asking questions, you know. I'm just excited to get, you know, just to talk some all in baseball to them, really, and just give them all the information they need and our opinion from a fan point of view to just know what's going on around baseball and definitely with the Marlins. For sure. And what I've said uh, over the course of the past week is how special it is that we bring really a, uh, you know, the national audience of being as far as east as you guys in Miami and being as far west as our Diamondbacks guys out there in Phoenix. Uh, and this is going to bring people from across the country into listening, you know, your Marlins podcast, and your listeners may listen to, you know, the Diamondbacks podcast. And it really just changes the demographic from, you know, for example, myself, getting my Pittsburgh listeners, and expanding that to not only a national level, but an international level with you guys, um, you know, being so close to the islands down there. Um, and the one thing that I did want to talk a little bit about tonight is sort of the state of Miami baseball. And from an outsider's perspective, uh, it appears that, you know, the franchise is headed in the right direction, rebuild-wise, but still the fan base just doesn't seem to be there. Can you speak to that a little bit and uh, how the Marlins can sort of engage their community better? Yeah, um, one way – that we can get definitely get you know more fans in. You know, like we're advertising a lot, but you know our team is not winning, and that's definitely a big reason why we're not bringing in the fans that we need. We're dead last in attendance, and it's definitely unacceptable. Like we need our fans to be there to support us even through the dark times. A way we need to get our fans in, you know, we got like we have a ton of promotions, we have a ton of nights, like a ton of like game nights that we have, but we got to just, like, you know, Jeter needs to show the city that we're trying to build a winning team. People who are not trusting him right now with these moves about getting prospects and all that, he even makes, like, like some moves that shows, like, like he wants to win in the future, but he needs to show that we want to win a little now as well. Like, people are saying Miami could potentially go up to Manny Machado. If they get him, would that bring fans in? I don't know. The chance of him getting him are very slight. But we just, you know, we do need to bring in fans. It's it's bad enough that we're barely getting over like ten thousand fans a game, and it's really just rough. We need to, we need to bring in more fans, and Jeter needs to show that he can bring this team, you know, get get wins for this team. Yeah, to to echo Nick's point, um, one of the things that is unique about Miami, the one of the one of the reasons that I guess you could say attendance as well is for 
20 years, there, there's been a huge distrust in ownership. You know, immediately, like a month after the 1997 World Series, the owner at the time, Wayne Huizenga, he he orchestrated the first fire sale. You know, there have been four quote-unquote fire sales in 20 years with the Marlins. And that is something that I guess is unique. Miami, you could say that the attendance isn't there because of a distrust, a personal distrust in ownership. Also, the stadium deal, which was very controversial, which used a lot of publicly funded taxpayer money, that also did not make a lot of fans of Miami-Dade County uh, happy. And I could understand that when your tax dollars is, is being used for something that you necessarily did not have a say on. You can understand the animosity there. As far as reaching out to bringing, as far as reaching out to fans to bring more fans in, one of the things that Jeter did last year that has not been seen under new, under old ownership, is the introduction of what what's called the Dinelo booth. So Dinelo, which is uh, in in English means uh, tell me it. Uh, basically, the idea behind it was fans go into a booth and they make like a 60-second video of what at Marlins Park should be improved, what they like about going to Marlins games, what they don't like. And Jeter this year, this off season, is making a lot of changes. There are a lot of changes coming to Marlins Park, you know, one of them being that the home run sculpture is being put outside, you know, there's also he also wants to build more seats or a, a standing room section I should say he wants to build a standing room section where the home run sculpture was, which I, quite frankly I kind of I find kind of ironic because he wants the standing room even though there's not that many people coming but you know if he wants to make a change and he thinks it'll be a good idea then I guess kudos to him. Um, but one cool thing about Miami as far as the why we're such a unique market is. Miami is very close to Cuba and the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. You know, we, a lot of people in Miami come from those places. That's why Miami is called the gateway to Latin America. And we don't want, obviously, you know, our, our podcast is going to be in English and, and, but at the same time, we want to cater to the Spanish fan base as well. And, uh, any way we we could, I guess, because you know a lot of the fan base is Hispanic, and and they are definitely a important demographic to reach in Miami for sure. So, but yes, Jeter is making a lot of changes around the stadium, and which also include the new logo. And it's it is an exciting time. You know, the Marlins next year they're still going to be rebuilding, but. Uh, one thing that I particularly like Jeter doing is he's going after more uh, more international free agents, and that's definitely a good thing. And with the signing of Victor, his younger brother Victor Mesa Jr., it obviously that that was pretty much Jeter's first positive move. The, at least how it was viewed, not just locally but nationally. Nationally it was viewed as a positive move because the Marlins got the top international free agent prospect. So that was very important because uh, it shows like, Hey, Jeter is actually trying to do good things. Sorry. I, I took a long time answering that Benson. My fault on that. <laughs> no, it's fine. But like, 
Yeah. To me, it definitely does seem like the Marlins organization is trending in the right direction. I would personally not say that they'd be ready to compete, obviously not next year, maybe not 2020, but 2021 would be a more realistic time frame. The one cause for concern I do have over the Miami fan base is this. It's obviously their attendance just isn't there. I mean, they have the eighth largest metro population in the country at 6.15 million and they just can't seem to draw, as you said, more than 10,000 people to the stadium on a nightly basis when you have teams like the Milwaukee Brewers, who are 39th in the country, have a million and a half people in their metro, and they're selling out on a nightly basis. And the question is, is it more of a winning problem or is it more of a distrust in ownership? And really, um, yeah. Um, well, I- my opinion about that, it's. I think it's a little bit of both. You know, it, it's like people don't trust our owners that well yet. You know, Jeter's coming in new. You know, he really didn't make a great impression. I'm guessing that the fans are thinking because you know he came in here. The first thing he did was blow the team up. He's making all these moves. People are like, hey, what's going on? You know, and people don't really trust him yet. They don't trust this guy. They don't trust Jeter what he's doing. I personally do trust him. A lot of fans don't. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is. We haven't made the playoffs since 2003, which is a very – and that was the year that we made it to the World Series. And the last time we had a winning record was 2009. We had been a losing franchise for a very, very long time. And we're not selling tickets because no one wants to see a losing team. We all, everyone wants to see a winning team. We're not doing well right now. It, and that, it's a little bit of both. You know, we got to get, get back on track and then the fans will start coming in. We need to get more trust as well to Jeter because he – you know, he blew the team up, and people don't trust him. But, you know, he needs more trust. That's, 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 what, you know, that's basically what it comes down to. I definitely I do want to Nick. pause you there real quick. Um, uh, we do have a caller on the line from, uh, I believe, the Chicago oh, area. So we're going to bring him on and see right. what he has to say about this whole thing. So welcome aboard to the morning's catch-launch announcement. How are you doing this evening? Hello? Hello? You there? Hi, hi. Is it low? Yes, you're live on the, the Marlins Catch Launch announcement. How are you doing this evening? Yes, he's not there. <laughs> All right, we're, yeah, yeah, we're going to... Yeah, we're going to mute him for now. Um, if you guys could just uh, talk uh, a little bit about more of, as I was saying again, the difference between like winning and distrust and ownership for uh, just a couple minutes. Yeah, sure. If, yeah, uh, sure. I was just going to go off what Nick was saying. Um, but, yeah, I definitely, as in reference to your question, Benson, I definitely think it's a little of both as far as the not winning and a distrust in ownership. Look, Miami, Miami's very unique. People do not want to come out because, you know, they, they, they want to see winners. Like, what, like, the Heat, for as an example, like, even though LeBron and Bosch, like, even though the big three era is over, like, the Heat are still able to get a good fan base to come to their games because – the fans trust the Heat to be competitive year after year and make the playoffs year after year. 
And Miami people, they, they, they like, they like a sexy team. And I know that's a weird way to, to put it, but look at it this way. They want a team that wins, you know, as opposed to it, people in Miami right now, if you were to ask them, would you rather party and like go to the beach or go to a nightclub or, or, or have a good time and, and do whatever? Or would you rather sit three, four hours at a baseball game and, and be bored and watch a losing product? People are going to say, yo, we want to go party. And a party to us does not involve watching a team that just lost 90 games. But at the same time, it is a distrust in ownership. A lot of people do not like Jeter. And a lot of people, including myself, never really liked Gloria. And the stadium deal left a, a sour taste in a lot of uh, people's mouths. So, but at the same time, you know, Nick's right. There is no excuse for having just over 10,000 people on average per game. There is no excuse for getting outdrawn by LSU baseball. Like, there, there isn't. Like, there's no excuse. It's sad. Like, you know, like, don't get me wrong. It's nice that I get to go to, like, most games and, like, I don't have to deal with traffic and, like, I could have, like, my own row if I want. But, like, sad. Like, I want the stadium to, like, be, like, lively. I don't want it to be, like, a library, for, for goodness sake, you know. And I will say this. Jeter, I think, is doing the best he can. And I think he severely underestimated how bad the attendance was because I, I don't know if people know this, but David Sampson, who was the old Marlins president, he admitted to – fudging the numbers and the way he would fudge the numbers is let's say 14,000 people on average came to a Marlins game. He would buy 6,000 tickets uh, for, for a dollar each. And he could say that instead of 14,000 people coming, 20,000 people came. And to Jeter's credit, Jeter is being honest about how he's reporting attendance. So I definitely give him credit for that. And you know, we'll see. Hopefully next year attendance is better, and hopefully as the Marlins win more and they're further along in the rebuilding process, attendance is better. I think the one like, bright spot, though, and we mentioned this uh, last Sunday, was uh, Miami and Marlins Park, it can be a lively place, obviously, when the stadium first opened. They drew well for those first couple games. And uh, the World Baseball Classic especially, uh, I was watching the game on uh, MLB Network. I know, Mitch, I believe you were down there. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the stadium was electric for that game, and it was sold out. So what do you think? Do you think the Marlins can get their team to that point? Because obviously there are clearly energetic baseball fans in Miami. They're just not showing up on a nightly basis. Yeah, um, it's definitely, you know, when you talk about the fans, uh, Benson, it's definitely on the Wreckers when you bring that up. And, you know, we definitely would bring, like, I'm going to be honest with you, back in 2003, if you go look at the World Series that we won, we were bringing in fans back then because we were winning. And we're not, we're like, we're not winning right now. And that's a huge reason, again, why we, you know, we're not drawing in big crowds and, to follow up on what Mitch was saying before about people that rather go out and party, 
and rather do all that stuff instead of going long games. You know, that's kind of a big thing. And Miami is partying and all that and doing things. And they don't want to sit and see a, a team lose for three hours. You know, it, it's kind of boring, you know, and I know that's what that's like a big reason why we're not, you know, getting drawn in these crowds. Yeah, the one thing I could speak to on the World Baseball Classic, I was there for the U.S. Dominican Republic game. And when I tell you that it was 37,000 of which were Dominican, only 7,000 American fans, it was like a playoff game and like a World Series game. Like, I was amazed. Like, I, I'm like, wow, like, this is incredible energy. People are having fun. And, you know, it was – you know, it, it, it was a really good time, and people were just partying, and and they were, you know, yelling really loud, and it was, it, it, it was crazy, man. Like, that, like, that's all, like, whenever people ask me about that game, I always have a smile on my face, because I'm like, man, if Marlins Park were like that every time, which obviously it's not, like, it, like, it, it would be the best, it would be the best atmosphere in, in the major leagues. It really would. But, um... You know, to 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 echo Nick's point, people they just don't want to see a losing product here. And I and I think when you look at cities, you know, across the, you know, when you look at cities across the country, if their teams aren't winning, they don't want to show up. Why are they going to pay like a hundred dollars plus for parking, food, and and gas, and all that, and merchandise, and all that stuff? Like they don't want to do that. You know, some cities might be an exception because they have really, like, diehard fans. Like, you know, St. Louis, I guess, would be one example that pops into my head. But, you know, when you ha- when the Marlins haven't made the playoffs since 2003 and they haven't had a winning record since 2009, yeah, the morale among fans is going to be low. So, I mean, it's not for sure. Sure. Go ahead, Nick. Oh, yeah, no, I, I just wish I went to one of the World Baseball Classic games because, you know, when I heard that, it was, you know, packed, people were screaming and everything. I just wish I could have been there for that atmosphere. It would have been great. You know, I heard I heard so much good things about it, and I just wish I went to one of those because I heard it was better than going to a Marlins game. For sure. And uh, we actually – I'm going to see if this caller uh, – it's from the 954 area, so I assume that's the Miami area. We're trying to bring him yeah. on uh, see – yeah, so let's bring him on to the Marlins Catch Launch Announcement Show. You're live. How are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm very excited about the podcast. I have to tell you, I've been a big Marlins fan since their inception back in the early 90s, and I've seen the ups. I've seen the downs of this, of this team, and unfortunately it's the greediness of the ownership that has caused this team to lose the confidence in the people that are the fans of the team. When the fan, the team first got together, they were great, the fans. They were coming out. Even if they were losing, uh, they were coming out. I remember Charlie Huff throwing out the first pitch for the Marlins, and the place was packed. Uh, I remember the first World Series that we got into. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to go into the first World Series against Cleveland in 97, and I saw that game thanks to my neighbor who lived in Plantation in Broward County, who, uh, whose husband got sick. She called me up, hey, you want to go to the game? And I said, yeah, what about your husband? Is he going? She goes, no, he's in the hospital. I said, well, why don't you take care of him? And he, she goes, damn, I'm not missing the game. He can sit in the hospital. I'll see him after the game. 
So, you know, these are the things that are history of the Marlins for me. I got to see the good times and the bad times. The Marlins, though, need consistency right now. That's what they really need. They need the, the, the ownership needs to show that they're for real, that they have the best interest of the team and the city in mind. They can't be doing these fire sales. If they do the fire sales, they're going to lose again. And right now, as, as was stated by the host of the, of the show, uh, there is no trust for Jeter at this point because he already made a bad mistake as far as I'm concerned. He made a move uh, that, to get rid of some of the best players in baseball offensively and defensively. We had a great team, but I'll tell you, all we needed was pitching, and we could have been a playoff contender this year. But instead, we got rid of some of our best players, and guess what? The fans are looking at that, and they're saying, here we go again, here we go again. So, again, what can I say? Uh, I'm a Marlins fan. I'm looking forward to listening to the show. It's great. My name is Barry, and uh, I will be listening, and I am a faithful fan already. Yeah, Barry, I, I, I agree will... with what you're saying about that, you know. And we've drawn all these crowds in, especially in the early 90s. It's a big crowd. Like, we had big crowds back then. You know, the place was rocking. We were in Sun Life Stadium. But the new stadium, we also go into the stadium. I, we thought, we all thought we'd get bigger crowds going to more of a Miami area down in Little Havana. We thought we'd get a big crowd, but, you know, it hadn't turned out to help us out. Um, do you think the stadium is maybe a reason why we're not getting attendance, or do you believe it's basically on the ownership or the record of the team? It's based on the ownership as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they have not shown any uh, confidence to the people uh, or the fans at this point. Again, it's based on history, too many fire sales along the way. Uh, can it change? Yes. Is the trust there right now? No. Can they build the trust? Yes. It's going to take time at this point in time. Uh, you know, I go to games. I went to six, seven games. I took my kids there. We had a great time. As a matter of fact, I remember going back a few years ago when uh, uh, we saw a perfect game pitched in the, in the Mar- in, at Marlins Park. And uh, that was a thrill for me and my kids. So even though it went against the Marlins, so what? It's, we were part of history. I think we were the 21st perfect game in the history of baseball. That's something to talk about. For sure. Nick, uh, go ahead. Happy, yeah, happy to have you on the, the podcast tonight. And we look forward to um, – uh, to producing the Marlins Catch uh, come January, and hope you do listen when we get started on January 7th. I'll definitely Thank be you, there. Barry. Thank you, Barry. Have a good night. Okay, so um, just getting back to that discussion of, you know, where the Marlins are headed with their ownership and the ownership group, uh, Derek Jeter's um, – direction of the team has been very clear I believe that it is a tear down rebuild um, that he wants to do a Cubs Astros style Royals even tear it all down to build something great up do you think that can be achievable and when do you think the ETA is for the next Marlins postseason appearance well personally you know to do a Cubs and Astros rebuild that definitely worked out for them look what they're doing now the Cubs made it to the World Series. They actually won it. The Astros won a World Series, and they had a long rebuild. Then you know they they were sucky for a long, long time, and now now they're on top of the MLB. And the Marlins are doing the same thing. You see the White Sox doing it. The Padres are doing it. 
Uh, a lot of teams are rebuilding. The Tigers, Reds, all these teams are rebuilding. They want to do what the Cubs and Astros have been are going to do as well. That have been doing it and are no longer have to do it because they are competing. But they, we're all following their footsteps to be the best we can. The ETA, in my opinion, the one the Miami can't compete is. You may think it's a little early, but 2020 is when I think we could get a winning record at least because if our players are ahead of schedule, we've already seen with a lot of our prospects, they've been doing well. We can get ahead of schedule, and possibly by 2021 we can make the playoffs. I know it sounds a little early, and you guys may think I'm crazy for saying this, but that's definitely a possibility with this team because I trust this young group, and what Jeter's doing, I, I'm 100% with it. I like the prospects he's brought in. I don't necessarily agree with getting rid of some of the veterans with cheap contact with cheap contracts, but I love the prospects he brought in. I'm, I'm trusting him, and I think we can get to the playoffs by 2020 at least. All right, I'm going to have to cut you guys off there as so we have about 45 seconds left on the podcast tonight. Uh, all of this talk will be continued January 7th when the Marlins catch debuts. Uh, Nick and Mitch will be talking Marlins baseball. Every Monday, make sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Marlins, double underscore news, and at Mitch Brandwine. Uh, and make sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network official at Baseball Podcast Net on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, the whole deal. And uh, we'll see you on um, Saturday for the next episode of Bucko Booth at Noon. So until then, uh, have a great week. Uh, we will uh, we'll see you on Saturday. Uh, let's go Marlins for you guys, and let's go Bucks for me. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good one, guys.